Welcome to the Content That Grows podcast, where we chat with folks from all kinds of companies to better understand the content they've invested in, how they did it, and how it impacted the growth of their company. I'm Nate Turner, co-founder and CEO of 10speed.io. Today, I am welcoming back my co-founder, Kevin King. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Nate? So today we are, uh, this is the 10th episode, 10th and final episode of season one. So we wanted to kind of wrap this up by digging into um, essentially what we've sort of framed as the the thesis of this podcast uh, for season one, which is understanding how people have invested in content, uh, how it impacts their business, you know, everything um, I just said. And so with that, we wanted to kind of just dig deeper and, and uh, share some of the stuff we learned from chatting with clients and working with different companies uh, and just kind of understanding what we've seen in our experience and, and working with other companies in a couple of those areas around, you know, what do those investments look like? How are they actually justified within companies? Uh, and, you know, what is that like as, as companies grow and, and things change? So uh, we're really excited to jump into that today. Starting out, um, we wanted to really just kind of dig in a little bit and understand, um, you know, one of the, the big areas we see a lot is sort of that like short-term payoff versus long-term payoff um, and, and how that changes in, in companies really wanting to focus on paid where they know they have this clear ROI. Uh, we talked about that in episode one uh, with Rand and how it's just hard to kind of get off of that, um, that hamster wheel with, with paid. But outside of that, you know, really wanted to just kind of dig into what are some of the reasons that it seems as though, you know, companies are struggling with balancing um, some of the investments in content and brand that really do uh, have a longer term payoff, but but can be substantial upside. Yeah, I think it's two things. I think it's, you know, there's a mentality shift that has to happen, right? Like if it's not really just something that you kind of understand from experience working with specific channels, um, especially organic, then um, it's it's never really going to change um, in terms of how you look, view short-term versus long-term payoff. But I think just like his, that's because of historically how, you know, business goals and businesses are built to grow, right? Like they have yeah. aggressive goals and, and people are tasked on teams to, to hit those goals and, and likely speedier times. Like when was the last time anybody built a, built goals? I mean, we're getting to there more with like OKRs and things like that around like, yeah, over the next year, we're going to try to accomplish this and break that up. But like at the end of the day, SEO can be a longer term investment than that. So it's really just having a really strong mentality shift around like how to view it. Um, yeah. And then also it's just the people who are building it, I think like need to think um, more strategically about how they communicate the value of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's also a progression, right? So like, of course, any company that's very much just starting out trying to prove like there's no way any company is going to just go straight into big brand investments, you know, and wait 12, 18 months hoping for something to pan out. Like that's, there's, there's a reason that people start with the short-term payoff. So, you know, prove that whether it's, to, you know, another round of funding for acquisition or um, things like that. But the need for that to shift over time, I think is where people miss. I think, like you said, the goal setting and sort of the expectations doesn't start to shift and you keep getting these super aggressive goals um, that just force teams into that uh, short-term view and uh, it really is something that just builds over time. Even thinking at 
Sprout and a number of companies that we've worked with, like it doesn't, it doesn't start out that way, but as you get more momentum, more momentum, it opens you up to have some of those things that you can say, you know what, we're going to invest in that. Um, heard that with the episode with, uh, Kristen Bryant from help scout. Like, uh, you know, we had, she was talking about how they have the inbound engine going. There's like great SEO content. Now let's look at like, how do we start to, you know, make some of these bigger bets and, and build that. So I do think it is a, a bit of a progression, but, um, more often than not, it does seem like you said that companies are sort of getting in that trap of aggressive goal setting that just sort of pigeonholes the team and they're they're sort of forced into that. Yeah, I also um, and I think this might have come up on the uh, that last episode too with Kristen was um, just that idea of being bought in based on just experience, right? Like from a leadership yeah. level. Um, I think we work with a bunch of clients that. I've already have this like strong understanding or buy-in around organic and they're looking for people to partner with or, or, you know, looking to help their team um, support the growth of that, like those specific channels, organic being one, but it's based on some pre-existing like actual, maybe hands-on knowledge or hands-on experience or knowledge with the channel, um, which I think is critical. I think if like, if you don't have that, then that's why I say it's a kind of a mentality shift. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you've got to, you're going to be going swimming upstream a bit in terms of trying to change short term to long term, right? They're going like, well, organic or SEO and PP, like PCL things need to pay off quickly because we, you know, have investors or this and that, and they're going to, yeah. we need to grow quickly. But um, I think like you can tell the difference between a team or uh, even a leadership team. Um, that is going to make these investments or bets just based on some sort of experience with it in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And it, it really is, um, you know, something that also just becomes those bigger investments too, just as the company is getting bigger, like, you know, it's obviously you want to talk about early stage company, they might have, um, you know, one content person in house sort of building stuff. Or in some cases, we have you know a number of clients that have a content marketer and work with us to sort of supplement and, and help build um, some of the strategic content. But obviously, that grows over time. You and you start to say, okay, we've invested in this in this channel. We've built this out. Now we're going to build out a team in another area. We're going to start a podcast. We're going to start you know a video series, whatever it might be. Uh, but you do also start to get into some of those cases where it's um, requiring you're hiring very specific skill sets, potentially like higher production costs, things like that. And then obviously you can go all the way out into like, you know, HubSpot's like acquiring uh, podcasts or like big companies acquiring podcasts or newsletters or communities that, um, you know, come at a big price, but also have, um, you know, a lot that comes with that and just becomes a bigger and bigger investment. Um, So again, I think it just speaks to like, laddering up, but it's not always about just adding more to what you're doing. It may be acquiring totally new skill sets or branching out to a new content type or, you know, eventually even in some cases making acquisitions. For sure. Um, so one of the other interesting things that we chatted about a little bit this week was the, um, the recent release of the SEM rush content marketing survey, the state of content marketing 2022, I think is what it's called. 
Um, and they have the survey in there with a number of results. Um, so we'd love to just kind of hear, you know, some of the stuff that, that stood out to you maybe is a, a good place to start there. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think those, those surveys are always, always enlightening and interesting. Um, I, I look forward to them because it helps validate a lot of the direction that like, you know, you may be taking or your team may be taking or anything, all the bets you are placing from a content perspective. Um, but it's, it's funny because I think when we talk to teams, a lot of times there seems to be, you know, some prioritized traffic and, you know, over leads and, and revenue and some uh, seem to prioritize, you know, revenue leads necessarily over traffic. So quantity versus quality in that regard. But yep. if you looked at like the top three um, goals that people had for this next year, um, they were all traffic related, including traffic. Traffic, I think, was number two. Organic traffic. Um, yeah. Um, like, it's interesting the revenue isn't number one when, like, when you really would think, especially um, how, uh, things you read on social or blog posts you read, that, like, those are the things that you should be building your goals around, et cetera. And maybe there's just something not, like, really surfaced there, but it's kind of funny to see that, like, all of the top three are, 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 traffic related i think brand awareness was one mm -hmm. yeah or two yeah which would be from a organic perspective tied to growing growing your organic traffic and and obviously there's other channels in play there but um i found that really to be like a big standout yeah revenue being so far down the list yeah for sure um yeah and then related to that you know what you were talking about like investing in content and everything um i feel as though that survey skews a little more tactical um which which makes sense so we're not talking about people investing in you know building a whole new web series or something but um the one of the questions was sort of like how do you expect your marketing budget to change uh in 2022 um or content marketing budget excuse me um and you know over 70 percent of the respondents said it was anywhere from small to a large increase. Um, but 70, over 70% 70 saying it is going to increase. So it kind of brings us back to like what you just said and what we're talking about here is like, so over 70% of people are saying their content marketing budget is going to increase. We know from talking to people all the time, nine times out of 10, people are like, it's about revenue. It's about, you know, proving content's gonna drive revenue. But when you see the respondents, the metrics they're tracking, the goals that they have, it's traffic, brand awareness. So how, you know, like that's what I think is so interesting is this internal conversation with companies around how they're actually justifying the, the investment, whether it's we're making the bet or they're somehow trying to back into, you know, every traffic or every visitor we get is worth X amount, you know, five cents or something, you know, like trying to really, really, really quantify that. So that to me continues to be, you know, a, a big question mark for a lot of companies and just an interesting thing that we see um, from, yeah, from company to company. Yeah. And the, the brand awareness aspect is, is, is super it's super interesting just because obviously there's a few ways you can measure that. It'd be interesting to see how 
ultimately most companies are tracking that. Like again, I mean, I, I obviously will continue to point towards organic, but like you can have some really like quantifiable brand awareness in your, you know, group search console data and looking at your branded queries growing up over time as you produce more content and put it out there for um, organic consumption. Yep. There's, you know, PR tools and things like that that can track like branded mentions, social, all that stuff. Like, so it's probably a, a list of a, a variety of things, but like the value that they place on that would be interesting to understand, like how, how they how they quantify the the ROI on the brand awareness if revenue is further down the list. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, um, so again, I think, as I said, it's, I feel as though that's maybe a little bit of a reflection of who some of the survey respondents are um, and kind of how they, they're viewing things. Um, but, you know, as we think about like, anytime we chat with CEOs, CMOs, or even just in, in our own experience of, of kind of like executive buy-in on content investments. I think one of the interesting things is like when you really focus, like I'm a huge believer in bottom of funnel content. I know you are too, just like high intent, high converting stuff. Um, even if there's zero search volume, it's probably um, capable of generating revenue. But we also know that like just doing paid search, just trying to create bottom of funnel, super product focused content, you are limiting yourself to, you know, anyone that's already reached that point versus helping increase the number of people reaching that point and like expanding your brand. So I think that's where that conversation always has to go is like, it is just as much about reaching new audiences and brand awareness as it is performance. And the majority of the time, you are not going to see the content coming through as a direct conversion from whatever you're doing, whether it's a blog that ranks in organic search or social content that you're posting on LinkedIn from your CEO or, or leadership or anything like that, or video series or any, you know whatever it might be. I think that's uh, continues to be um, what we see over and over and over is like, it's not directly driving a ton of conversions. You know, the bottom of funnel stuff will, but it's heavily influenced by, by the stuff that's higher up. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because you said it was, you know, a lot of the, the survey has to do with, you know, the respondents, but it also has to do, I think, somewhat in the phrasing of the language too, because it's all, like, you could almost it probably have a, maybe a different um, response uh, order or result if you changed it to like, or added quality traffic to mm. that increased quality traffic because that, there was one again around increasing traffic, but it didn't special like um, specify that. Yeah. And like, we know that there's like significant opportunity when you go up funnel with content, especially um, from a topic perspective, which is where all the eyeballs are going to be. But like, how do you quantify that against what you're saying? The bottom of the funnel traffic is and like how you can push people down the funnel. So it's, yeah. it's just, it's interesting because quality, there's a quality versus quantity balance that needs to happen there. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, I think that's where like the executive perspective on the investments. Cause again, it's one thing to say, you know, we're going to spend an extra 5,000 or seven, 8,000 a month on this, whatever it might be. But when you have, executives saying like, 
I would love to put a million dollars into this. I just want to know, like, what is it going to do? And that doesn't necessarily mean, please tell me exactly how much MRR I'm going to get from it. But that's where, like, having that ability to have that conversation at the executive level and say, you know, here's what we're seeing. Here's how we understand, you know, brand, what I, like you mentioned earlier, brand query volume increasing over time uh, in different ways you can kind of understand that you are building an audience, you are increasing awareness and you are bringing people into that funnel that is worth kind of building that over time. Yep, totally agree. So another thing that would be kind of cool to, to dig in with you is like related to that, um, just thinking about kind of like how, you know, I've, I've mentioned, you know, video series and podcasts and, you know, some different types of content, like, like digging in, I guess, a little bit on how those influence other channels too, whether it's, you know, ultimately coming through direct traffic or, or other channels, like, um, you know, just, just some thoughts on, on how those are, are impacted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, interesting because the um, you know traditionally you can look up online the types of content that you can map to each stage of the funnel if you break it down in like three stages like top middle bottom and like you know you have your how-tos and informational stuff up top and then you get further down you have case studies and white papers and then more product stuff or versus pages um i don't think there's like a very clean way to really really um uh, talk about how like everything impacts or con those different content types, especially if you get like really, really specific and you like create some sort of white paper that gets distributed and ends up being linked to uh, across a variety of channels. Um, but uh, I think like, as long as you're um, creating a, a content that you know is like ultimately what your, your audience needs to solve a specific problem, I think you yeah. can, you shouldn't be looking at like the specific direct traffic or anything like that as the thing to try and unpack. Like you just have to try and understand exactly how um, a specific piece of content is actually driving value um, that you can actually see. Yeah. If that makes sense within Google analytics or whatever your analytics platform is. Yeah. Or your CRM or whatever. Yeah. That's a great point. And I think it was um, uh, Chelsea with Chili Piper in one of the episodes talked about how they don't, they don't only tr track the, the quantitative aspects of it. They also look at um, who's engaging like social posts or whatever, like who's engaging, you know, looking them up. Like, are they their sort of their ICP, their target audience, like just sort of that additional validating signal that people are engaging this post has a way higher engagement rate. Let's dig into why, but then also who is it? And is that actually like reaching our target audience? I thought that was um, a really interesting way to do that as well. And, and that's the thing is like different types of content may, might require different types of tracking. Like I'm sure there's tons of different um, companies out there that have created their own custom way of like looking at different content types. So I'm everyone, there's so many creative ways to do things and there's lots of talented marketers like that out there, but there isn't just one size fits all thing. I remember like <clears throat> the number one drive, if this is from bamboo when we were at Sprout, 
our top driving um, revenue piece of content on the bamboo side was that we created a white paper. You know, it was mm-hmm. a very traditional um, approach, at least in terms of, like we partnered with a, a PR firm and really tailored this specific content to solving a problem and detailed it out. And especially in the space where that was, that was trying to, uh, we were trying to make an impact on with employee advocacy. Yeah. But ultimately we knew that at the end of the day, it was um, one of our top driving pieces of uh, revenue driving piece of competitor of content because we ended up um, building out more custom tracking within Salesforce on how it was being used. And that can be the right or wrong way now. That was a few years ago. I know you can still do it. You can build out campaigns that tie to specific piece of content. But like, ultimately, it's not one size fits all. And like, if we didn't do that, if we didn't do that, that was a a gated lead gen piece that maybe today you wouldn't necessarily gate. I don't know. It depends on the business. But um, we probably wouldn't have been able to track it as well because it was a PDF. Yeah. And, And but that really gave us insight into like, you know, how how much revenue or anything it was driving because we actually had it we were deliberate in how we were tracking it within a specific platform that would not necessarily have been able to be tracked in like something like maybe a google analytics yeah yeah totally and uh the other interesting thing kind of shifting from we've looked a little bit at like internally like how you're kind of making that argument how you're thinking about whether or not you track the the metrics and, and quote unquote ROI or, or attribution around um, some of the efforts. But another really big factor in the investment of everything is some of the external fa- factors and like um, comp- competition, just how difficult your space is, like all of that stuff I think makes a, a huge difference. Um, and I feel like is probably one of the most misunderstood components, especially when you're talking about competing in terms of search, but there are other aspects, um, you know, certainly certain uh, niches that have very, very competitive, like a number of popular podcasts or whatever, that would just be, even that would be kind of challenging to stand out. Um, So I think that to me, that's a huge component as well. When you look at the investment, um, one that I think a lot of teams struggle with knowing how to size it up and like what's actually necessary. And then two, um, being realistic about, you know, sure. You want to compete against Zendesk. That's great. Well, here's what it would actually take, you know, if you want to reach like Zendesk level, you know, amount of organic traffic and leads and everything, or whatever the example may be, um, that I think, you know, at, even at a smaller scale, I think a lot of times folks are not, uh, quite aligned and what it actually would take versus what they are aspiring to. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting when like people take a look at like what the competitive, um, space is doing, uh, for content and a company is trying to understand exactly what they should invest in. Like there's so much that you can key off of from the, the competition to understand exactly how you should be investing in, like what you should be investing in and, I mean, like, it may be obvious to some, but like the, if you look at what, um, what a competitor is doing, um, across all channels, any type of content, it doesn't have to be just organic. Like it can influence what you're talking about. Um, which obviously informs the actual like kind of strategy in terms of just like literally what you should be saying because they've already paved some way there's that, but like from an investment standpoint, like 
how, how much you need to create, how often you should be creating it. Um, there's such easy things to be basically be able to give you or enable you to like actually um, understand the level of investment. Like, obviously it's going to be directional to some extent, but like, if you can, you can throw a competitor into a third party tool, like a, yeah. a SEM rush or Ahrefs and see, look at over the past 24 months, this company has produced 350 pieces of content and it's all like, you know, around XYZ topics that like are relevant to our business. Well, like we're at zero. Yeah. For example, we, we have to, in order to bridge that gap, like we might need to either do that, but then also bake into the sense that like they're already two years ahead. Um, it's really important to look at those things because it does give you a better sense of like what it will, what it will take um, to actually get there to where you want to be. And then again, like, they're ahead. So you might need to do even more than that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To close the gap. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. It's like you can pretty easily look at how much your competitors are doing. And again, not even just blog content, but if they also have a podcast and, you know, all these other formats, like you can get a pretty good sense of like their, the volume they're doing in a month, the publishing cadence, anything like that. Um, and if they're doing 20, then what's the point of, you know, setting out? Well, there is a point to setting out and doing two a month if that's all you can do and do well. But you need to reset your expectations on how you will perform against them um, if you are woefully behind in, in like how much you can put out and, and produce. So the, I think that's a big factor. Um, and then the same thing kind of goes for like, Occasionally, we talk to companies that have you know domain authority of like ten, uh, and you know going up against some some real giants in their space, and that also just takes a very realistic approach that it's going to take longer. Um, so again, same thing if you're talking about a podcast that's launching and you're going up against you know Saster podcast or something that's just been around for a long time and in tons of reviews and ratings and highly ranked or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of those that, that do, um, that do factor into how you look at what that investment is. Um, one caveat I'll add, and I'm curious your thoughts on this is, it, you know, it, it's hard to know what it will take or what will work. Cause it's sort of like, well, let's just create something to go viral. Like you don't, there's not necessarily a, a formula for that. Um, but there are times when companies can sort of jump the line and create something that does like truly stand out um, and and progress them forward much, much faster to where they get a ton of attention, ton of backlinks, um, and then from there can continue building and kind of like get that jump. So I'm not saying it's not possible and it's always going to be a long, uh, a long road to catch up, but... Um, yeah, by and large, I think that's that's typically kind of how we would look at the external competition. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally. And every situation is different. Every competitive landscape is different. Like, um, I think there's, you know, you used the example of of HubSpot earlier, which is obviously a huge company. So, like, they're not necessarily a good example, but just to use that. Like, they bought, they they've been acquiring blogs, right? Like, you know, you can look at the competition, and depending on what you're you know, budget is or whatever, you could be like, well, this could be a way to 
bridge the gap and then we can have this to invest in actually starting to create our own content or we can do that and reoptimize the content to fuel growth in yeah. some interesting way like it's it's not all like it's not it's just not all cut to black and white from each um business to business it's all different yeah. and i think um the other thing too which i think gets misinterpreted or misunderstood or whatever with um a uh, competitive gap generally if you want to call it that is that like you know the, that you like oh well, that's what they're doing that's what we should go do it's much more strategic and requires a bit more critical analysis than that right like you should segment their content and be like well i don't know if that topic intent wise is going to actually drive the conversions we need right if they're a one to one competitor and you can get some sort of insight into maybe what they're doing from a revenue perspective then yeah maybe it'll make it easier but like yeah. some businesses are starting out and competitors are only doing like a fraction of what they do from a functionality perspective if you're a product right so like you need to be doing more than just what they're talking about plus also like i can't count the amount of times we've gone into a competitive gap analysis in the top performing posts that they have or top pieces of performing content that they have has absolutely nothing to do with the business. Correct. It's, you know, like it's driving tons of eyeballs. I don't, I doubt it's doing anything to build brand. Uh, you know, like it's, it has to do, sometimes it has to do with some pop culture moment or, I mean, it's so common. It's, it's actually kind of funny. Um, and you know, maybe it got them some sort of acceleration in, in terms of like, in terms of visibility. Cause like they cast such a wide net, something's got to come through, but like it's taking up time and resources from teams and, and, yeah. um, and ultimately money. So like, yeah, like it just requires so much um, analysis. And the only reason, uh, the last thing I'll say about it is, is I, I know this too, cause I've seen SEOs or content marketers on Twitter really like kind of scoffing at the competitive gap analysis because yeah. I think that's the thing people think is just go create what they can. It's like, no, it is a fundamental found fundamental aspect of, of doing this, right? Like, I, of course you want to come up with ideas and create, be creative on your own, but yeah. people are out there and they've given you a signal on, on at least a little bit of what's happening out there. So then you can use that to make informed decisions, strategic decisions, not just blind copying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. I think if you do the, competitor analysis in Ahrefs or any of those tools, like what it spits out requires a lot of refining. And even that is only like, to me, one, one piece of the puzzle. It, like you said, it requires, you know, digging into their actual content and, and you know, more of those things that will give you better context. But yes, like straight up and down what that report spits out is, is almost like unusable. Uh, without like really, really paring it down because it's, it's just focused on, you know, typically those few pieces of content that are huge performers, but aren't bringing in the right people, um, you know, or just not relevant to your business because it doesn't overlap and just takes a lot of work to, to pare it down. But when you do, I agree, there are a lot of interesting insights and signals that, that bring it closer. Um, so one of the last things I wanted to kind of dig in on that we've been talking about um, some in internally within our agency is like, when, when shouldn't a company invest in content? So that to me is a, a pretty fascinating way to think about things. And, and I've certainly, you know, in calls with 
you know, more like sales call type of interaction with folks, you know, had a lot of those conversations where, you know, you, you kind of know the budget, you know, where they're at and, you know, just times you can kind of tell, like, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, love to, to kind of get your perspective on that first. Yeah, I, it's, I definitely think that there are times when, um, like you shouldn't invest in content. I, I think it's rare. Um, or I'm sorry, that's a smaller percentage of businesses likely. Um, but it definitely happens in like, there's a few scenarios. I think that like, ultimately it happens. I mean, um, I think that if you are at 100% overly technical in terms of a product and maybe third-party tools are like coming up goose eggs on any type of data to tell you that there's some sort of volume. This is not, this is across all channels. Maybe this isn't worth it. Like maybe you should be creating some content out there to educate, but um, I don't think if you, if you can't use anything to like give you some sort of directional idea of like what's out there, then um, I think that that's partially um, or that's a, 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 a cause for not investing in content. Um, but again, I think that that's going to be quite rare, right? Like sometimes you're going to have like, um, even, um, just things, you know, your audience needs to understand in terms of using your product and all that. Right. And even if the data is not there, you know, you should create it. Right. So I don't mean yeah. to be contradictory or anything, but like it's, no, it's reality, but that, that could happen. Um, the other is ultimately if like, if there's no real, real way to tie your product to content, even if it's super top of funnel, like we've gotten to the point of like being really, um, really, uh, strategic of course but like really thoughtful about how we can make sure that if we're going really up funnel to get as many eyeballs as possible like what is the possibility that we can you know um get people to product i think hrefs is the one that like has a really good model for product led or seo right like mm -hmm. around like they give a grade one two three and ultimately if that if this can tie to product um you give it a one or three i okay, probably backwards but you can't go if you go through that exercise and basically everything is, is like i can't talk about my product at all or mention it in any any realistic way then i don't know if content's going to be the thing that's going to be the big accelerator for you yeah um um there's that and then there's possibly a, a potential around like product market fit right if you haven't really gotten there um maybe the demand in the market is really just like you're just touching on specific topics that again i think that ties back to just product led yeah. Um, kind of SEO in a sense, right? Like, um, if, if, um, there just isn't really enough like interest in out there that like seems to be quantifiable in some way. Um, then I, I think that it's probably not necessarily a viable case, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what I, do think, you think? I, so I agree. And I think what you're saying with product led SEO is like, uh, uh, one thing I'll often say is like, you know, what are, what are some of the things you would create regardless? Like, there's no potential organic traffic. There's no potential social reach or any sort of engagement. Like, would you create this anyway? Because it's valuable to someone who's considering working with you or buying a product or, you know, help sales or whatever it might be. And I think that's sometimes helpful because like there are things that you just should create and, and do that but i think that's still just different from like we are going to invest in content as something that we see as a big driver for our company over the next five to ten years or something like 
to me, those are two different things. There's still always going to be some content you're going to create no matter what. But in terms of the the investment, I think a few of the things that I've seen uh, and talked with folks, one is like, you know, run into companies where you kind of start digging in and, you know, who, who buys your product, who, who, you know, what's the pain points. And it's like, well, there's 150 to- total companies in the world that can buy our product. Uh, like, sh- sure, you can cr- create content, but like, there's, there's not a ton of upside, you know, versus thinking about, you know, Sprout getting into, you know, million plus sessions a month and in organic traffic and, you know, HubSpot far beyond that. Like there's a ton of upside there when you have a total of 150 potential customers, that's your TAM. Like that, I don't know. I just don't know that I would really say that it's worth a big investment in, in the context. Again, still creating some of those pieces that you know are critical to do no matter what, but like the investment doesn't seem to be there. Um, I think another one is when it's pretty clear that the leadership is kind of going back to what we said at the beginning, extremely, extremely focused on direct ROI, uh, you know, immediate outcome and just can't wrap their head around anything else that, um, to me is typically like, you know, I would, I just wouldn't in that, in that current climate, I wouldn't really consider investing there. I just continue to invest in places that you know are going to do that because that's just an extremely challenging thing to to try to change uh, over time, especially when you're putting dollars in hoping for a longer term payout. It's just the patience yeah. isn't there. I think all, you're on something like we keep it's well, it's been a theme, but like that top down uh, buy in is huge. But like, this is a little bit more like maybe um, uh, aspirational or maybe it's not always the case, but if there's not like a true strong perspective from leadership on like something about the market or anything, I just don't think that there's going to be some sort sort of any sort of like movement or momentum on content. I think like the best companies that have I've worked with and I think we've worked with that have produced investing content and this ties into being bought into like understanding that content comes comes over time or content succeeds over time is like they've been super passionate about their industry and have like a very unique perspective um around um what they offer how to solve problems and all that like we do try to incorporate subject matter expertise in the content right when we can because we're an agency and we work we're not the experts but I think that's a really big thing that like ultimately, like if you don't have that, it's probably a hard thing to be self-aware of maybe, but like Mm -hmm. I've noticed it's very consistent across the companies that are really like successful with content and also just like produce a lot and are willing to keep trying is like, no, we, we, we believe that there's something to be said here. That's why our product exists. That's why I, we, I created the company or we created the company and you know, what's, let's go and talk about it in as many different interesting ways and even flip concepts on top of their head, right? Like get in front of people in front of that. So that's a, I think a big one, but hard to quantify. Agree. And I know, you know, a lot of uh, recent internet fodder has been around like, you know, life's too (laughs) short to work for a company whose CEO doesn't understand marketing or whatever, you know, like some of those, concepts but i think it'd be really helpful to maybe just kind of uh 
wrap up on if someone is because I don't want this to feel like doom and gloom like they either get it or they don't like maybe just to kind of wrap up on like if someone is either considering a role and want to kind of understand if that's there or just in kind of like feeling out even just the company they're in and, and what that would look like um, maybe just kind of hit on a few practical things that they can look for to kind of under, gauge that within within a company. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts to start for that. If this is if the, um, to identify if it's worth like taking that role to. Yeah, taking a role or just if you're already in a company that's, um, you know, trying to gauge like the conversation around investing in content and, and you know, what, what yeah. would kind of need to be provided for, for someone to to buy in on that yeah um i think ultimately there's probably a few things i'll see what i can rattle off um uh i think if if there's a conversation around like siloing content in any way um that seems to be always a red flag around like if they truly understand content like i there is a lot of recent internet fodder as well around like around siloing Mm -hmm. content positively is a positive thing again Mm -hmm. goes back and forth and what i mean by that is like you know there's you know there is brand and there is seo content and all that but like i still think we know to at the end of the day that a lot of these things do play together and right so like if people are deliberately not being able to understand and collaborate across those things um that's probably like um, something that needs to be sorted out before fully really investing in it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I think that's, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, it's, it's certainly like, like noticing the language, like we talked about earlier around like how things are discussed. Um, you know, if it's very, short-term results or, you know, I only want to do, I know I only want to do stuff that works or I'll give you as much budget as you want, you know, but I want, you know, this is the return. I, you know, as long as you give me this return, I'll give you as much budget as you want. Like, you know, some of those Mm -hmm. things I think are, will kind of stand out as, uh, something to, to make note of that there may be, you know, a little bit of challenge there, but I think the, the things that are always interesting to me is like when people are good, whether it's a CEO or CMO or whoever in leadership, like really just, um, I think when they kind of know they want to build a brand, they want to be the best. They want to be, you know, well-known for, you know, X, Y, and Z. Those tend to be signals that like they are someone who's sort of in this for the long run. It's not, how do I, you know, put in a dollar to make two nonstop and just pump it up and, you know, get some big valuation and sell or whatever. And really as someone who's like under, you can just kind of see from that language that there's a desire to build a brand and do things that are going to invest in that and, and build it over time. Um, so I would say that's a big one, just kind of understanding what are the goals, what's the current uh, state of like, marketing channels is there anything going on that's already a little bit more experimental or brand 
focus that you can tell, you know, is being invested in already at a smaller scale without this need for, you know, an immediate direct return. Um, things like that, I think, can also just be helpful signals for that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think um, <clears throat> ultimately, the uh, if you get signal from leadership, again, we talk about leadership a lot this conversation. Um, I hope I don't come off as contradictory, but like ultimately, yes, you want to have people who have understanding and experience within, um, or at least some working knowledge of what should go into content to like actually invest in appropriately. But I almost say like the counter to that is like this over indexing on what they believe that content should be. Yeah. Like I think that we work with a lot of, um, or I, we've had experience in the past with, um, you know, like early stage or, or even just like companies starting out where like, they're like, Oh, I want to create X, Y, Z. And this is that and all that. Like, you know, but that don't have the work, any knowledge, but they do like believe in content that can go the wrong way fast. If, if content, if, if there isn't a dialogue around like really what the content should be, it's really like, no, I know we need to create this. And that's coming from top down that yeah. can get tough because yeah. Um, there's a lot of, a lot that goes into creating a great piece of content, including research and strategy and positioning. There's a lot of really great CEOs and founders and exec teams that do have really great ideas like that. But like at the end of the day, especially if you're growing and you've already started to grow, like the people, there should be a, a trust in, in the, the teams that are building out the content to like actually understand what to be creating there. But ultimately, even if it's really on, I think like if that over overconfidence on what should be created sure. not that we should they should create it that could yeah. be a um a signal yep yeah totally agree awesome well we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up here in a minute but um yeah thanks for for listening this is the like i said the last episode of the season so excited to wrap this one up um if you've enjoyed this uh please check out tenspeed.io slash podcast for show notes uh, any additional information uh, go ahead and subscribe to get updates as we launch season two uh, in the, the coming weeks. And uh, really excited to, to continue the dialogue uh, around some of the tactical things, uh, investments, uh, and as well as chatting with other folks and, and getting their perspective. So uh, thanks so much, Kevin. And uh, this was really great. Yeah, this is awesome. Can't wait to do it again.